2: Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market side overlooking New York's snowy Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, and Steve Grasso, David Seberg, and Tim Seymour. Tonight on Fast, the Facebook fallout rages on, but the stock snapping its losing streak, ending the day in the green. And one of the traders bought the social media giant today. He will explain why he thinks the bottom is in. Plus, the winner of the Facebook fallout, it might be blockchain. A top analyst at RBC will explain why the data scandal could be the next big catalyst for the technology and what it might mean for big tech stocks. But first, we start with the Federal Reserve decision to raise rates. Fed Chair Jerome Powell towing the line. Not too hawkish, not too dovish. Let's get to our own Steve Leisman down in D.C. for more. Steve, what was your take?
3: You know, uh, first of all, let's uh, tell people exactly what happened. It was the first press conference for Fed Chairman Jay Powell. Uh, And the Fed hiked rates as expected by a quarter point. Here's the new range, folks one and a half to one and three quarters percent. The Fed did also signal more gradual rate hikes ahead. Now, it also upped the outlook for growth and lowered the forecast for unemployment down to 3.6 percent from the current 4.1 percent next year. Also, raised the outlook for interest rates. Here you go, not this year. One forecast short from a Fed official for four hikes this year, so remains at three, but up the outlook to 2.9 percent next year and a strong. 3.4 percent in 2020 but it did not move the inflation barometer or the inflation outlook and i asked chairman jay powell how they could forecast better growth lower unemployment but not more inflation
4: after the crisis unemployment was 10 percent it's now 4.1 percent you've only seen very gradual upward pressures on inflation and wages despite that very large increase and that that suggests that the relationship between changes in slack and inflation is, is not so tight. But it, 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 uh, it has diminished, but, it, but it's still there.
3: The non-economist Powell sounding a lot like an economist. Here's our new segment, Powell on the Podium. He's surprised at a lack of stronger wage growth Despite high uh, relative levels of the stock markets, he's only moderate stability risk for the financial system and sees more growth from fiscal stimulus but wouldn't pin, be pinned down. Is it from supply side or demand side, which would be more inflationary? So in the words of John Lennon, did Powell pass the audition? Yields were little changed on the day, so that's probably a win. And stocks just a bit spooked down 130 from their top before the meeting. So if that remains the case, given how much the Fed upped the rate outlook, I think he'd probably consider that a win, Melissa.
2: So, Steve, if the relationship between slack uh, and inflation is not so tight, what did he give any good answers to why inflation is so low and so stubbornly low? Uh,
3: both in this one and in pri- and prior ones, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's interested in this idea, Melissa, and I mean prior testimony that he's given, right. uh, whether or not there's this global uh, supply chain that's out there, the Amazon effect uh, is also something that's out there. Um, but I, I think he also said uh, in the testimony and you can see that by the way in what the fed did today they're more confident about inflation moving back up it was in the statement today where they said they think inflation is going to rise in coming months prior statements had said in the coming years, so they're a little bit more confident it's moving back their way uh towards that two percent goal all
2: right steve thank you my pleasure steve leisman the market having a volatile reaction to the decision today but ultimately the that, the dow ending the day nearly flat so did Jerome Powell signal the all clear for stocks, Tim?
0: No, I don't think he did. I, look, I, I think Powell basically told you, read my lips. This is one decision, one meeting. We, we did one thing today. And by the way, I can do whatever I want at the next meeting. I thought it was, a, it was a, a, a hawk in disguise. Having said that, obviously, there was a relief for the stock market that now actually can probably breathe some sigh of relief until at least a couple of weeks until we get the next round of inflation data or wage data on payroll.
2: Where did you uh, get I could do whatever I want? at the next meeting or in the meeting after or, or whatnot?
0: Because, first of all, he, he, he was asked two or three times mm-hmm. about issues where he said, folks, we made one decision today. We raised rates 25 basis points. And, and what I hear from that, especially for a guy who's one vote away from four hikes this year, means they could be at four hikes at the next one. Why would he bring that up now? Um, so ultimately, there is nothing for this Fed chairman to gain in his first, uh, you know, proper policy uh, announcement meeting right. to, to, to go that deep into, uh, I think, something that, Frankly, we don't know a lot about.
5: Yeah, no, I think he managed it very well. I mean, I think the market's reaction proves he managed it very well. But the real headline here, next headline, in my opinion, is technology. Technology stocks led the rally. Technology stocks are the most crowded investment right now on the tape in the S and P. And I look at it and say, we need to take a really hard look at tech right now and see is there going to be a near-term pause and is there a catalyst to cause a near-term pause. There is, 301. I think that there could be some trade how discussions. How long could you have
4: said that it was the crowded, most crowded and, uh, trade. We've been
5: saying it for a while, but the difference is no, but like, how long
4: could you, I you, mean, you can I say it for You for could say it for a while,
5: yeah. No, that could last for a period of time. The difference is, I look at catalysts. What's the catalyst to shift positioning? What's the catalyst to encourage positioning? Was the Fed decision
2: in this at all? Because all you mentioned was trade.
5: Absolutely. No, the Fed decision was fine. I think the Fed did a great job. I think Powell did an amazing job today. But separately, you want to sell technology. Separately? Is it an all-clear sign? No, you've got to be careful of the 301.
6: You know, I don't know necessarily that uh, I felt like there was a sell signal of any kind out there or necessarily yeah. saying, hey, it's a free to signal. buy everything. I think what he basically told us today was, hey, look, I'm going to be as transparent as what we've seen in the past, and I'm actually going all the way out to 2020. I mean, right. he gave us projections out there giving us at least some sort of a. Which
2: no one really cares about at the end of the day, uh, right? I, I mean, the, no, bad, the I terrible forecast we're at out that many years. We're looking at 18, yeah. and yeah.
6: we're looking at how many hikes we most likely are going to have. And for right now, at least, it's three. Yep. Is there a fourth? It's a possibility. We knew but that But I like going that in. flexibility. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, right. Which I think is why the market's reaction early was financials took off to the upside. We were up 200 and some odd points. Then we had that flush to the downside. We mixed around a little bit. At the end of the day, it's pretty much a flat day, and I think that's probably a good thing, as Steve alluded to.
4: So I think to your point, uh, whether it was the all clear or not, I-, I agree with Tim. It gave him flexibility to do whatever he wants going forward, but it was a hurdle. The market had to jump over this hurdle to get it out of the way. It was his first press conference. Everyone wanted to see, did he flub it? Was he going to hit a wall? He didn't do any of that. So to the extent it was an all-clear to buy stocks, there's where I stay. I think it was an all-clear to buy stocks. We got that out of the way. We focus on earnings now, which will be good. And I don't think analysts have ratcheted up the EPS forecast, nearly enough, and I don't think 100% of analysts. So if there's 10 or 20% that have not ratcheted up, I think that is still your tailwind. We have not talked about earnings once in the last two weeks on this desk as a whole on a macro level.
0: Except for the fact that the last three weeks, we haven't really been struggling with the Fed. We haven't really been struggling. Look, the 10-year has been at 290 or below for the last... Five weeks, so I, I don't think the Fed was really the hurdle for the markets. I think that the hurdle for markets has
4: been trade. It's right. been Washington. Yeah. It's, been it's been inflation. It's been, in been inflation. Right. Inflation started this whole sell-off. Okay, that but was, see, the, whole, but that so was you the think whole it's sell-off. all clear now? Well, to the extent of all clear, meaning we've got out of the way with his first. I think with yeah, you, his first uh, with his first meeting. Yes, it's all clear. It's all do clear, I think? For, do for I, the, I think there could be another swoosh? Of course, it's yeah, a trading show. But we defended the hundred-day moving average. We closed pretty strong today. We're above 2,700. These are all good things. All clear, it's a stock market. No one could
5: ever say it's I think in a vacuum, if you're just focused on the Fed, it's an all clear. From a Fed perspective, but there's so many other issues here right now that we need to keep in our our sights. And I think, again, I mentioned tech. I mentioned the crowdedness of that, nature of that. Particular sector. The and there's other it? things. I mean, the idea is the did Fed, did did right the right
2: Fed signal, signal an all, all, clear, all clear, clear for, for markets. markets. Did the Fed specifically? And there may be a pipeline yes. of other things, in, you know, in the offing when it comes to hurdles for the markets. But as far as the Fed is concerned, yes, I think they did. did we come out of this meeting with the confirmation of no what question. we knew before the meeting? I would I would posit. It, Pretty much, yes. 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 yes, three, maybe four. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, yes. so in Steve's defense, which I maybe okay. what he was saying. I can always, I defending. I can always <laughs> use defending, <laughs> <laughs> even though he's having on his own. No, but but it, if we're dealing with just the Fed factor. Okay. Yeah. The Fed factor is now at least something that can go on the side for a couple right. more weeks until we get real yeah. data. Um, Steve answered the right question. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> but I feel like there's Tim a big butt coming. but coming. No, but there's I, a whole I,
0: host I, of I, other I, things. I things. appreciate I, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciate believe it. Yeah. that there are multiple other factors to, to force stocks to digest right
2: now.
4: Right. That, that When
2: you need defending
7: on here. that
4: shirt-tie combo, I, I'm
0: going to be your guy. I'm going to be your guy. Because you're so
2: used to defending shirt-tie combos yourself. This is about as
0: basic as a bracelet. That's basic. I got I got That's basic. If I'm having trouble with this one, we're all
2: having trouble today. It's
4: great if you're in Miami.
2: Uh, forget it. I want to bring in Rebecca Patterson. We need help here. Chief Investment Officer at Bessemer Trust. She oversees $70 billion in assets under management. Rebecca, thank goodness you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Where do we start? start, um, start. Let's not talk about how yeah, No right? shirts, <laughs> ties, uh, what, what did you make of, of what Jerome Powell said today?
8: i agree with what's been said on this desk is that we're basically confirming what we thought we knew already which is three maybe four hikes this year and powell is focusing on the lack of inflation pressure so he doesn't seem to need to be aggressive and one thing that hasn't been said yet in terms of the reaction we got higher commodity prices higher energy stocks weaker dollar part of that was the treasury not moving very much at the end of the day but it also tells you the market is seeing this as a dovish hike or in other words a central banker who doesn't feel any urgency to, to ratchet it up. And that's, at the end of the day, all else equal is good for stocks.
2: But all else isn't equal, and so trade is looming, and that's yes, going to be an tomorrow. issue that could be that's tomorrow. That's or, tomorrow's show. Yeah.
8: You don't, yeah, <laughs> you want me to front run to your show. <laughs> um, but how do you look at
2: stocks at this point? Now that we have this sort of uncertainty out of the way, at least for now, mm-hmm. and we have this other,
8: all these other problems or issues potentially lined up, what do you do? So it's been fascinating to me to watch over the last 12 months how this administration seems to be playing the media and the investor community in a sense that we get this big scary headline 30 billion isn't enough i need 60 billion or 100 billion in tariffs against china as an example and then what the media is suggesting today is that when we get tomorrow's announcement on trade we will have a period of time for u.s companies to comment because we want to hurt china according to the administration but we don't wanna punish U.S. consumers. Well, good luck with that, given that so much of what we import is coming one way or another through China. But if you have this commentary period and this waiting period, what we eventually get in terms of tariffs or trade action seems like it's gonna be a lot less than the initial scary headline. And I feel like this pattern is repeating on a lot of issues, whether it was the solar panel tariff, Um, I'm gonna drill oil off all the coast, oh, except Florida, well, maybe except for you, except for you. So if it's sort of this, um, scare them with a headline, whether it's a negotiating tactic or what, I don't know. But the reality is never as bad. And so we get this initial dip on the scare factor, and then we recover. And I feel like tomorrow's trade may be more of that. So I'm crossing my fingers.
2: Okay, so Fed for now goes away as a factor. Trade
8: will probably for now at least go away as a factor. Yes. Inflation, though, don't let Uh that one go away because the March inflation data – is going to have a funky little base effect. In other words, a sharp fall in telecom prices a year ago falls away, so that's no longer there. So the March number might look suddenly a higher. And so if the market is not ready for that, if it doesn't get it discussed a lot in advance, we might have a bit of inflation fear coming back in that report, which will come out next month. But
2: that'll be a head fake. So theoretically, the markets are efficient, they'll figure that out, and then that goes away. And then earning. I mean, it sounds.
8: I'm like constructive. I you're mean, constructive. I hate that yeah, word. it's overused. Oh. But but no. I, look, we're later in the cycle. Central banks are starting to slowly take away the punch bowl. Valuations are higher. There is reason to be not looking for a repeat of last year. But I also think that I don't see any reason why equities shouldn't go up this year. Earnings are strong. The global economy is very strong. We just got a ton of stimulus into the U.S. economy. Why would equities go down in a sustained way on that?
0: So, so Rebecca, sector allocation-wise, think about today, and you talked about energy had a great day, commodities had a great day, Mm -hmm. dollar was weaker. These had been suffering over the last couple weeks on all the things we've just talked about. What do you like here?
8: Well, we started building an ener- a slightly larger energy position last August, and so we've been modestly overweight energy equities since then. So we have been suffering, as you said, the last couple of weeks on a relative basis. Today was obviously a nice day for those, yep. uh, those mar- uh, market. Um, we have been overweight technology, which in recent days has been a bit all over the map. Um, but, but on a structural basis, we still like it. And we think the valuations on the companies we particularly own are justified, even though a few of them are, are quite high. Um, we're um, – what else do we like? We like being slightly overweight the U.S., taking, going from sector to regional. And even though the U.S. valuations are higher than the rest of the world, we feel like the stimulus here should be a beneficiary. But we've also been adding to emerging market exposure yep believing that China's slowdown won't be enough to undermine emerging markets and that uh, yields aren't going to rise fast enough, the dollar's not going to rise fast enough to undermine emerging markets. So we like modest uh, exposure to the U.S. We like emerging markets late cycle. Not shockingly, we like energy and commodities, too.
2: Rebecca, great to see you. Thank you. Great to see you all. Thank you. Rebecca Patterson of Bessemer. Uh, Pete, what did you do today?
6: You know what? I added on a couple of different things, and, I, and some of them we'll probably touch on later on the show, but GM was one of the names that I added to today. I added some Southwest as well, the airline. And um, I, I think there was one uh, Facebook, along with Albemarle, just from yesterday. So oh, pretty active the last couple of days. Yeah. yeah.
4: I bought Facebook today. You did? Along, along, with, uh, yes. along with Pete. Uh, I don't know if you bought the straight equity or bought no. an option related. Oh. So no. I bought the, the equity just on a technical basis, and I have some fundamental reasons. But the home builders, off the, the numbers today, Granted, the home builders usually react to new permits. Today it was existing home sales. I think all of this has been baked in and they've been clobbered.
5: It's probably bullish now. Yeah, sure, energy. I think energy is, it was a short covering rally today, especially in these smaller mid cap names. It is 100% a sell at these levels, so mm. took them off. Mm.
0: Love the Southwest call. Love, nice. But uh, but I you know I I do think if you look at Miners integrated miners, BHP Rio Tinto you look at Mexico Brazil they've had very big days today but those are stocks that have all weakened or countries that have weakened up and I think you can get back in there.
2: All right, coming up the Northeast getting battered by its fourth nor'easter and with thousands of flights canceled today the airlines are feeling the heat but how long will the pain last? The traders will weigh in. Plus five stocks in the Dow are in or near bear market territory down 20% from their recent highs. And a top technician will be here to tell us which names are a screaming by. And later, Mark Zuckerberg speaks out about the data scandal gripping the social media company. But did he convince shareholders the worst is over? We'll bring you the latest details. We're live from a very snowy Times Square in New York City. We've got much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Facebook shares catching a break today as CEO Mark Zuckerberg finally breaks his silence about the company's data breach. Julie Borson's in L.A.
9: with more. Julia. Well, it's Mark Zuckerberg taking full responsibility without actually apologizing, posting on Facebook, quote, we have a responsibility to protect your data and are working to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Zuckerberg runs through a timeline of events, including the revelation in 2015 that an app developer's data had been sold to Cambridge Analytica, violating Facebook's policies. Zuckerberg admitting a, quote, breach of trust between Facebook and the people who share their data with us and expect us to protect it. Zuckerberg then out lines next steps that the company is taking. First, the company will investigate all apps with access to large amounts of data, including data collected before policy changes. Second, saying that they'll restrict data access from to current apps automatically reducing the data that its users share. And third, they're putting privacy controls at the top of the newsfeed to make it easy to revoke app's permission to access users' data. The company also will alert users about data misuse, including those whose data was harvested by the app in question. The company is also expanding its bug bounty program and will reward people who find data misuse. Sheryl Sandberg, Facebook COO, sharing Zuckerberg's post with more of an apology, saying, quote, I deeply regret that we didn't do enough to deal with it. Jamie Dimon was just on stage at an Axios event. He weighed in just after Zuck posted, saying that of all the data being collected by Facebook and others, he said this.
3: All of that data, location, shopping, sites, where you travel, uh, places you visit, all of that has been accumulated, sold, marketed all around the world. OK, and so Facebook's a piece of it. I think people have the right to know what it is and where it is and how it's controlled and why it's controlled. And I think it's true for all these data providers.
9: Now, after Facebook shares dropped almost 10 percent from the open on Monday to the close yesterday, today the stock moved up a little bit less than 1 percent. Melissa, back over to you.
2: All right. Thank you, Julia. Julia Borson. So did Zuckerberg say enough? Have we seen a bottom in the stock? You know what struck me today, Pete? Mm-hmm. I know you're a buyer. Uh, Bloomberg Business Week put on their cover Facebook and the problems it's in. I felt like that may have marked a bottom. Yeah, <laughs> Whenever like, you see it on yeah, a cover, well, I, right? No, you, if you're make, like,
6: that, you make a really good point. I mean oftentimes it's it's so interesting the timing of some of these different things. I think the interesting thing for me about Facebook right here is you're 20 bucks or thereabouts off of the highs. 30 bucks I think off the highs if you go from high to low. So it looked to me like an opportunity today, but I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. and I, is only and I, 10%, though, Pete. Anyway. I understand 10%, but that's oftentimes what I'm looking for. If they've hit a high, if they're breaking through, I look for 10% more. If they're not, and I see a pullback, 10%. Here's the thing that's interesting about Facebook is it's not just a Facebook story. It's all the other areas that they have been growing towards. And what I mean by that is the Instagrams and the monetization that they've actually accomplished already there. There is more to the story than just Facebook. And I, if, I would also say... They have done a poor job of getting in front of this, in my opinion. They waited so long. And even this, this is all text. I mean, are they really out in front the way Jamie Dimon has been and the way other great CEOs, when they, they've had an issue, they get out in front of the cameras and they say, this is a problem, we're going to fix it, here's what happened, well, fact, here's they, how right, we're going to do this.
0: So. They tried to get in front of it on Friday ahead of, article of you know news reports, which was really clumsy and I think actually backfired on us. Yes. Yeah, well. um, but but he, first of all, Facebook is describing themselves as a victim. They're not apologizing. There's if no someone's been victimized, it means they've actually been attacked. And it actually means that they were unprepared. It actually means that I think no, a I, company whose business is software and algos was not prepared for a, you know, a hack, a cyber attack, whatever you want to call it. I disagree it. on that. But, but I mean, so th- this is why I think you have to look at companies like Facebook at least a little bit differently. It doesn't mean everything you said, Pete, I agree. And I, Brian, I don't think Facebook's going to zero. I, but I do think yeah. that companies who rely on data, who rely on software, and in a new world where their management, and this is supposed to be the best and the brightest, were caught off guard by this, I think it's a new way to look at companies. And I think I, you have to look at the whole sector differently.
5: I, I agree with each other. I think the one thing I would say that I don't agree with is the response. The response is, I mean, there's a difference between being arrogant and being confident. Jimmy Diamond's confident. He comes yep. out and he tells you how it is, and he walks you through a series. Of events that occurred, and he wraps it up, and he's, and he's very forthright about that. They let this go, and th- that's a sign of arrogance, in my opinion. I think that's a very bad sign. They let sign. this go, how? they allowed it to fester, they didn't come out immediately. And talk I don't think about they it. did it, they didn't even apologize for it. You have to understand how to manage your customers, your employees, your business, the whole nine yards. The numbers for the business are going to be fine, you're 100% right. However, the confidence that it struck, it struck a chord. In confidence, in my opinion, that is going to be—it's going to take a long time to replace. No. So I could—I could make the this argument is, right now. I don't now, think it's the Chipotle sentiment has shifted very rapidly in this name, and it will continue to. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see a general. sell it, move out. So I'm that's out. So, so so I bought it today it as well, and,
4: and I bought it. It's a three-day rule for me. I bought it defending the 161.95 low on day two, basically technically, but uh, as far as advertising dollars. This is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. You could talk a good game, not you guys. The, the people that are saying, I'm going to pull my ads, they're not going to pull their ads. They have to be here. Ultimately, this is going to be a buy again. Can it trade back down to those lows? Certainly, but technically it The notion it that they don't
2: pull their ads must rest, though, on the belief that the number of users engaged or the number of users okay, in total does not change at all. Yeah, yeah but right? even if it changes, there's still
4: leaps and bounds ahead of the competition of on valuation. On valuation, this is the lowest that it's Facebook has changed. ever tried I agree with
0: but, but I think about this with huge and, growth. and, and I feel like three-day rule. I, I get that too, but I'm not sure if we're three days out. I mean, three days may right. not be for three months. That's the whole problem.
2: And, and I, I think they think wanted to get
4: the company. story right. It wasn't out of arrogance. They wanted to make sure they didn't make it worse on top of something when
2: else. When a CEO or COO or somebody in the C-suite goes to Capitol Hill and testifies, is that usually a good thing for the stock? You know, what would you guess? <laughs> That's
4: usually the bottom. I, I, That's usually the bottom. And we so haven't seen is. that yet. Right. 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 Does that worry so the, you? That,
6: no, it doesn't necessarily worry me because I, I'm with Steve in this regard in terms of. This is a company with some growth, right? I mean, I think we all agree they still have growth. But has some of it sort of flattened out? I think some of it has, yes, on the Facebook side. But you go to the other elements of where they are seeing some of the monetization. in terms of Instagram, and sooner or later WhatsApp story. and some of the others. Right, but That's right. going to be the area that I think actually makes up for some nope. of the losses nope. on Facebook, which are completely I, different I, types
5: of sites. I agree with you. The problem is privacy affects the entire platform. It's not like you have a business but it's where more critical a for the f- percentage of their business has been affected by something, and they could lose that revenue or Steve, have an impact on that about revenue. Anything other than politics? About their if this was about anything
4: other than politics, the story would already be over. People fight really hard for their teams. Every Everyone in this country will never admit that. if you they, disagree. Everybody
2: here politics. is on Twitter, right? Have we seen a, a swell a public, from the public about deleting Facebook or abandoning Facebook or, you know, leaving Facebook I, I don't behind? Think people, no, 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 isn't TDO. that shocking?
0: Well, I, I, I'm not sure. I, first of all, again, yeah. I don't think the regulators are done here. There's talk about self-regulation. by. I don't know if we're in a world where people take are guys this guy self-regulate. I, I also want to say that if you th- look at Facebook stock, it's significantly underperformed the triple Qs, not just for two months, not for six months, but for two years, folks. I mean, it's had, for, for all this growth, and it's had other things that I think have been weighing it down, and this was one of the big things that was hanging over it. Maybe this is the moment. I think there's still overhang.
2: Coming up, we'll have much more on the scandal surrounding Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and the response to a statement as the fallout continues. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money and CNBC, First in Business Worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast.
6: It's about the future, isn't it? tell you it? where he yes, is. Yes, Eddie. And one analyst says the Facebook fallout could lead to a major blockchain boom. He'll be here to explain why. Plus, you hear that? Five Dow stocks are flirting with bear market territory. And a top technician says one is flashing a major buy sign. And when you see what it is, you might be pressing buy too. Much more when fast returns.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. It's been a volatile year so far for the Dow and a handful of stocks are now in or very close to bear market territory. Let's get to Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange for more. Hey, Bob.
10: Hi, Melissa. The S&P is just 5% off its 52-week high, which is also the all-time high, but there's an unusually widespread between the winners and losers recently. Several stocks are already in bear market territory. There's one big outlier, GE, 55% off its 52-week high, and at the lowest level since 2009. But there are other companies that have entered bear market territory or are very close. Walmart, for example, 20% off its recent highs, but it's done a complete 180. It was $87 in October, rallied to $110. In January, but a poorly received earnings report has brought it back down to $88. The consumer names have performed poorly as well. Procter and Gamble, 18% off its recent highs after a poorly received earnings report in January. Merck also 18% off its recent highs after two disappointing earnings reports, October and February. And then there's oil stocks. Even though oil has rallied 8% this quarter. Oil stocks are all down. Exxon's down 10% for the year, 16% from its 52-week high. This is a very odd divergence between oil and oil stocks. Finally, even home improvement stocks have been faltering. After rocketing almost straight up for five years, Home Depot hasn't been the same since disappointing commentary in late January. Now it's 14% off its recent highs. A lot of casualties recently. Back to you Melissa.
2: All right Bob, thank you. Bob Pisani at the NYSE. Our next guest says some of these Dow laggards are actually a buy right now. Let's go off the charts with Robert Swimer of FundsTrack Global Advisors. Hey Rob, what are you looking at?
1: Thanks very much. So as Bob highlighted, there's a lot of dispersion between the leaders in the market with technology stocks rocketing. And then we've got five or six names that have really come off a lot. We've got GE down 55% off its highs. And when we rank order these stocks from those off their 52-week highs, to those off their three-month highs, they pretty much sort out the same. So as we go through the dumpster and say, well, what's viable in this group? Is there anything that we want to own? Particularly if you're a little bit concerned about some of the volatility that you're seeing in the leadership stocks, I think there's a few names to take a look at. So... Let's take a look at Home Depot. I think this is probably your best bet. This is a very long-term chart going back to 2014. And here's Home Depot right back to the buy point around its 200-day. We like the home building space. The home builders are starting to firm up. On a relative performance basis, Home Depot has just pulled right back to that long-term support level. It looks very attractive. And it's probably the best-looking name of these six laggards within the Dow. So now as we work down the list and find some other names... Is there anything else here that we can take a look at? Well, Walmart's had a big move. It broke out of that huge trading range that we saw back through 2000, 2010. And it, too, has pulled back to the 200-day. So there's a trading opportunity there. And what interests me, and this is very early, but this long-term relative performance downtrend is beginning to turn. You can't see it particularly well here, but there's early indications there's a shift. So you have this pullback. You're at the 200-day. I think that's your, probably your next best name within the, the six laggards to be buying. And then lastly, energy, a complete disaster with Exxon. However, it is into this big band of support, not particularly drawn well, but down in that $70 level. But the relative performance is still making new lows. So it's a pretty cautionary tale. But versus Procter & Gamble or uh, GE, to me, this is a better trading opportunity. We like other energy names better. The E&Ps act a lot better. But I think there's a trade in Exxon back to the 200-day moving average.
2: I think Rob comes over. What do you guys Absolutely. Do? He to. I mean, he's Come not even wearing Bob. snowshoes and he's braved oh, yeah. the snow and Kalana. Ryan's gonna bring the well, chair came over you, in the Northeaster, bro. That's Good right. To see second him, man. time. <laughs> so if we see bounces in these Dow laggards, do you also see continued leadership of the Dow leaders that we're seeing I right now? A,
1: I think that a lot of the leadership, if we look at tech, for example, semiconductors went through a big pause between November through to the February lows and resumed leadership. I think the problem with a lot of the tech stocks is they're a little bit advanced here. So they're working through a consolidation. It's not a lot to be alarmed at from my perspective. I don't think the cycle's over. And then when we look at names like Boeing and um, uh, what am I thinking of? Caterpillar. Thank you very much. Through big consolidations, I think it just takes time. So I think if you're trying to balance out a portfolio, diversify your exposure, you're worried about market exposure, you're worried about some of the extended stocks, like we saw with Facebook, and I think it makes a lot of sense to look at some of these laggards. The leaders that have pulled back, mm-hmm. like Home Depot, I think are really timely in here.
4: Robert, do you see this? When I look at these consumer names, the names that you just mentioned, I look at them as leader, leaders, where they'll fall off the cliff a little bit earlier than the overall market. And, but obviously the market needs to recover, and usually, to your point, these things recover first. The consumer names recover first. The market will follow. I'm looking for one more swoosh to the downside in the overall market, which still could be on track for these consumer names. But with these consumer names, do you
1: look for them to bottom first and then the market to rally after? I think the market went back to secular leadership first, right? Off the February lows, everything that led was secular in nature, away from cyclical growth. So when we look at the consumer names like Home Depot and some of the uh, home builder stocks, I think they've already had their correction. I don't think they're going much lower. I'm not convinced we're going to get another downside move in the market. Mm. I think it's going to be a sloppy trading range in earnings. We're going to be back and forth on this show talking about it's rolling over. It's starting to firm up. But I think if you look at it, we had a big peak beginning of February, or beginning of Jan- or February, and we're just going to work our way sideways.
0: Robert, when you look at something like a Walmart, the rest of the space has also had a lot of trouble. I mean, it was a week where we, we were Target had a bad number, Kroger had a bad number. Yep.
1: What about that whole space? Well, some of them are actually starting to firm up. Right? Like, names like Gap stores are holding in there. There's pockets of strength in the consumer discretionary space after lagging for years. So I think those are slowly carving out bottoms. Are they leadership? I don't see them as leadership. I think they're trading stocks. Rob, thank you. Thank you.
2: Robert Slimer of Fundstrat. Are you a buyer of any of these laggards? You
5: know, the only Exxon, I mean, the only reason I say Exxon is because everything else in the space, in my opinion, is garbage. I look at Exxon and say <laughs> it's got a yield, of 4.1 everything percent Everything else yield. in the space well, is, I just don't trust energy space. right now. not I'm not and being yeah. good, but I don't <laughs> believe in energy here. I just don't, a lot of short covering, and I, I just wouldn't be a buyer. But, and I also do think Home Depot is a name that I would be constructive on
6: Absolutely. And the reason I say that is for Home Depot. I actually own ExxonMobil. I own it virtually where it is right now. It's done absolutely nothing for me. But in the meantime, I'm waiting with the 4% yield. But Home Depot is the interesting one because, let's remember, spring is their Christmas. And the Christmas time is coming. Wow, back to every day is that's is like a, a brain teaser. And Home Depot spring is there. spring planting Christmas. season. Spring <laughs> planting <laughs> season. <laughs> but I love the fact that he brings that one up technically <laughs> because I love what's going on fundamentally, and I think it probably broke down because it screamed yeah. to the upside. And now, if he's saying technically it's a buy, I so really I'm love going it. In there to buy day. like
0: roses and tulip bulbs, and I'm
6: going to see Santa. You're basically. darn right. Oh, I'm Santa because I'm happy to see you in there, big boy.
2: <laughs> happy to see
6: you in their big. Bo- All right.
2: Yeah. Still ahead. <laughs> Just going to move on, on. Could the Facebook fallout be paving the way for blockchain technology? RBC analyst Mitch Steves who predicted crypto to 10 trillion dollars on this show earlier this year will tell us why Facebook's pain could be blockchain's gain. Plus, winter storm Toby slamming the northeast today and wreaking havoc on the airlines Morgan Brennan's at rather deserted LaGuardia Airport in New York. Morgan
7: Melissa, deserted is the keyword. Take a look at this. You got rows of cancellations. These types of boards in airports across the U.S. Uh, East Coast right now. We're going to talk about what it means for travelers, also what it means for the companies when fast money returns.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. The Northeast getting hammered with its fourth nor'easter of the season, leading to thousands of flights getting canceled. Morgan Brennan's at LaGuardia Airport in New York. She's very lonely out there, Morgan. <laughs>
7: I'm a little lonely, Melissa. When's the last time you saw LaGuardia Airport look like this? It's practically a ghost town. you can see this right here with this uh, TSA security checkpoint behind me. The gate is down. It's looked like that for hours now. We haven't actually seen a flight take off or land here at LaGuardia Airport since at least noon Eastern today. All in, FlightAware says because of this storm, we are now at more than 4,400 flights that have been canceled today, into, out of, and around the U.S. Another 2,500 have been delayed. That brings the total for the month of March, on the heels of three storms ahead of this, up past 16,700 cancellations. Now, a lot of this is originating here in the New York metro area, but you're also seeing cancellations in Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. Those are major regional disruptions that ripple out to other parts of these airline carriers' transportation networks. It's the reason American Airlines says that about a quarter of its global operations now have been impacted from this storm. The airlines, though, they've been very proactive. Many of them canceled flights ahead of the snow coming in today. They also waived change fees days in advance. The expectation is they will get up and running very quickly. The bigger thing to watch, March, according to analysts, typically the busiest month of the quarter with all these weather disruptions. What is it going to mean when we get into earnings season in the next couple of weeks? Back over to you.
2: All right. Thank you, Morgan Brennan. The airline stocks, which have struggled to gain steam as of late, taking a hit, no surprise, today. So, Tim, what have you been doing?
0: Well, I've been staying long, Delta and United. And and as I like to point out, I think the airlines are tremendous trading stocks because they give you a lot of opportunities like this. Weather is not a reason to be trading airlines. Um, And and unfortunately for uh, the bad news and what happened to a couple of passengers and and the stories around United, that's also not a reason to sell United. Dogs. Yeah. Um, And and ultimately, I think you have a dynamic where people want to look at airlines and try to decide if they're running their businesses more efficiently. And after United gave that earnings call uh, in mid-January, that threw the whole sector on its ear. In fact, that was an opportunity to buy them. They rallied back about three-quarters of to their highs, and they're struggling here. I don't think you need to do a whole lot here. I stayed long the names. I don't see them breaking out.
6: You got longer. Yeah, I got longer. My favorite name right now is Southwest. I mean, we all know what Warren Buffett has done in terms of positioning in all the airlines, so we already know that. But... Or most of the major well, carriers. his
2: most recent commentary was that he could buy an he entire buy an airline. airline. No, we don't want to get too far Are you into seeing that. any options activity that indicates that maybe there might be some more interest in one or I two saw, versus others?
6: To be honest with you, I've seen uh, primarily it's been Delta, and I've seen also pretty good activity today in Southwest. The reason I like Southwest is it's domestic. And that sort of fits if you're starting to try to go forward a little bit and say, hey, what, what, what would are the Warren Buffett look at? For Buffett, right. Wolf Research, by the way, said that they were
2: the most likely. And right. strong yeah, management last and week. great
6: cash flow, which all of you know, all the airlines overall, I think, fit that. United, is still, you and I go at odds on that one. I still. Munoz okay. has not addressed things. Won't be properly. the first time,
2: Pete. Still <laughs> <So> ahead, <laughs> Facebook losing the trust of millions of its users this week after the company's data practices has come into question. But could the Facebook fallout be paving the way? For new types of technology, we've got the details. Plus, traders are piling into one tech stock that's already up 50% this year. We'll give you the name and tell you what has them so excited. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Facebook losing the trust of millions of its users this week as the company comes under fire for its privacy practices, or perhaps better word for it would be lack thereof. Now, CEO Mark Zuckerberg did finally break his silence this afternoon, saying he made mistakes and vowed to protect user data. But the scandal does bring to light questions about how safe your information is online and whether big tech companies need to adapt to new types of technology, like Maybe. Blockchain. So will Facebook's pain be blockchain's gain? For more, let's bring in RBC analyst Mitch Steves. Mitch, great to have you with us.
11: Yep, thank you for having me.
2: The fundamental problem um, that Facebook faced was that it had agreed with a third party that this third party can can tap and scrape data, but then that third party went ahead and distributed that data to another party. If there was a way to track this data and where it went, maybe this could have been caught. Earlier or even prevent it? Could blockchain be the answer to that? To actually be able to track where data goes.
11: Yeah. So, so I'll I'll, I'll be very careful here with my wording. So, if you want to use blockchain technology in Facebook's environment, for example, you could actually track what was sent to who. So, what I mean by that is, let's say you load up a photo, you could tell if that photo was sent to a third party, if it was sent to somebody who didn't want uh, to see it through privacy settings. But the one problem there that it does not solve. Is it does not allow you to stop it. So let's say Facebook decides to sell your photo to somebody, some advertiser in I don't know Korea or something like that. Uh, they can you you would be able to see that that transaction happen, uh, but you would not be able to prevent that transaction from occurring in the first place.
2: Is it possible? And I know this is sort of projection, and, and I'm not sure if you could even answer this, but is it possible mm-hmm. to actually to use that, but then create a program or, or layer in maybe artificial intelligence so that it will flag. Um, the fact that it has been distributed to another party, that that the transaction has continued to somebody else?
11: Yeah, you you could 100% track all this stuff. So the way I would describe it is, let's use Bitcoin as an example because it's the easiest one, right? Mm -hmm. The two problems that Bitcoin solves is that first, you can see every single transaction. So if you use blockchain technology in the Facebook example you're giving, uh, you could track every single time that photo is sent. So let's say I only wanted my mother to see it. I could see if she sent it to somebody else because there would be a digital footprint to track it, right? The problem that it does not solve if you use it in a centralized environment is that it doesn't prevent them from doing it, though. So let's say I say I want to send my photo to my mom and that's it. It doesn't actually prevent her from sending it to somebody else. So that is uh, the kind of the difference between blockchain and decentralization. And so blockchain would solve the transparency issue, but it would not so solve the control issue you have.
2: All right. Um, the last time we spoke, um, you said that you thought that a lot of these companies could actually face perhaps um, being disintermediated. Uh, or or having their business models challenged because of this notion that, you know, we're moving to a decentralized world. There's a Bloomberg report today that Google is working in blockchain-related technology to support its cloud business. Do you think that we're going to be getting more and more of these headlines? And do you think that these companies, that this is sort of a, a project or that this is a meaningful, possible business opportunity for them, that that's the way they regard it at least?
11: Yeah, so I think they're, they're, they're looking into the space because they want to decide how they're going to attack it, right? Because basically what Google is doing, if you read the press release closely or the, or the article, it doesn't say they're trying to create a decentralized distributed ledger. It just says a distributed ledger, which at the end of the day is just distributed computing. So what they're doing is trying to find a way to increase transparency. So if I give you information, I know exactly who it was sent to. But if we create a decentralized uh, social network or a decentralized uh, storage device, for example, then the user would actually have control of who sees the data. So I think that's where we're going long term. But yes, I think using blockchain in terms of a centralized uh, environment gives you transparency, but it doesn't give the user control over who gets to see their information and who doesn't.
2: Um, the last time we spoke, Mitch, and the first uh, note that you put out on Bitcoin and, and the blockchain economy, your projections mm-hmm. were for ten trillion dollars. Does that ratchet down yep. at all, given the the bear market that we've seen in Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies in general?
11: No, I don't, I don't think it ratchets down at all. In fact, I kind of I kind of get a good idea of who understands the space based on the, the kind of declines, right? Because if somebody invested in Ethereum at the beginning of last year, let's say the price is two seventy five today and cut it in half. You still would have gotten a bigger return than investing in the S&P 500 uh, since 1978. So basically calling that a decline is pretty pretty outlandish to me because you're looking at a year and a half return that's better than 50 years of equities returns. Um, But if we look at this over the next several years, there's still going to be a lot more development that needs to come. So for example, using blockchain in a centralized environment is kind of the first step. But it's going to take another two, three, four, five, six, maybe even more years before we see a decentralized environment where in the future, somebody like yourself no longer has to give uh, their photos to Facebook or to a central entity. Instead, you can just share that photo specifically with people, and then you'd be able to track it and make sure that it's not shared uh, with somebody else who gets access to your information.
2: All right, Mitch, we're going to leave it there. Great to see you. Thanks for your time. Yep, thank you. Mitch Steves of RBC. What do you think of this notion of using a bl- blockchain? Yeah. That, that could help. I, I mean, t- tracking the information is sort of Half the battle, we right. know where it went, at least. Well, I think it's
5: very interesting. I think the whole model is shifting, and, and he mentioned it's five years away, five-plus mm-hmm. years away before we get to a decentralized platform. And I do agree with that, but I do believe the model is shifting. I mean, <clears throat> it's sort of pay-to-play right now. You give up information and you get a free platform to sort of use. Now people are recognizing the value of the content that they're putting on the platform or information they're putting on the platform and are looking at it from the standpoint of I deserve to be – you know, sort of paid for that, if you will, instead of the advertising revenue going right back to the company. So I think there's a shift here that is really important to pay attention to.
4: I think it's interesting to see the companies that are embracing blockchain because you don't think about it uh, as as these big conglomerate companies. When you look at Intel, first of all, IBM. Watson was supposed to move the needle on IBM, and it's never probably going to move the needle. But when you look at blockchain, maybe that has the ability to everything in conjunction with AI and everything else that they're working on Maybe that moves the needle, But what was the most interesting out of that list was Intel, up 11% year-to-date, Internet of Things, connected home, connected everything. And then when you throw in there the blockchain kicker, the chart looks good as well. So Intel looks pretty interesting.
2: Still ahead. It's the one stock that is up 140% over the last year. Some traders think Boom. it could soar even higher. We'll give you the name and what's got them so bullish. You're watching Fast Money. We're live in a very snowy Times Square. Look at that cool. snow coming down. Don't move. We've got much more show right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Micron reporting after the bell tomorrow. The options market is implying some pretty big moves for this hot chip stock. Let's get to my co out in Austin, Texas. He's got better weather than, than us, that's for sure, Mike.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Here we are in the south. It's a little bit warmer. So Micron is a mo- uh, name that typically moves a decent amount on earnings, about 6%, but it's implying a larger move than that this time, 7.3%. And we did see above-average call activity. At one point, actually, calls outpaced puts by about 4 to 1%. And where most of that activity was concentrated at that time was the weekly March 63 calls. At that point, 8,500 of those had traded for about a buck and a half. So that was options traders betting that Micron's move was going to be to the upside. And we actually saw subsequently even larger call spreads trading in April, 60, 65
6: strikes among them.
2: Thanks, Mike. Pete, um, we go to you. Would you buy Micron into earnings?
6: I would. I don't right now. I don't presently own it. I'm in uh-huh. Intel, but I, and I, I was out of Micron just about a week or so ago. But what I like is the pricing. They've got pricing, and they've got demand right now. So it's really the chips are all on their huh, favor right now for <laughs> uh-huh. Micron. Is there a show that talks about options at they're, all? Yeah. Right. yeah. What is Good that? thing it's to do like Friday, Friday, Friday afternoon in? around 530. Friday, 530.
0: You know yeah. I
2: would. I'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? There's the options action. Nice. Yeah, Friday, 530 p.m. Love Eastern Time. And we'll see Mike co. I think from Austin, Texas, in fact. <laughs> All right, coming up next, final trade. We put a poll out there on Twitter asking if the worst was over for Facebook. Here are the results. More than 1,000 of you have voted. 72% said no, the Boom. worst is not over.
4: Boom. 58% had no idea what Facebook in. was.
6: <laughs> What's you he know. saying about the
5: view?
6: He's talking <laughs> to his What own time board. for the. Time for the final trade, Steve. I love the financials, as you know. Goldman Sachs got pounded down a little bit. I think the stock goes higher. Steve Grasso. I'm not one of those 72%. Facebook,
5: final trade. Whoa. Uh, XLE Energy Rally today was total short covering. Seller of the XLE.
0: Happy first day of spring, Mel. Happy snowy.
5: first day of spring,
0: yes. Oh. Uh-huh. first day of spring. Facebook, I'm buying. Oh. Home Depot, when I'm oh. buying. Ultimately, I think it's a name that the comps are great. Robert talked about the technicals look interesting. Tailwind's on them.
5: Merry
2: Christmas, Home Depot. Springtime is Christmas for
5: Home Depot. I'm I'm Melissa Lee.
2: Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with the one and only Jim Cramer starts right now.
3: The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric.